Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 16, verse, starting in verse 1. That's the wrong passage. There we go. Um, and just before I get stuck in, I really want to just spend a sec praying. So if you want to close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are and what you did for us on the cross. And more than that, not that just that you died, but that you came back and that you were resurrected Um, And in that we have power and might and we, um, yeah. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're going to do in this service this afternoon. We pray for soft hearts and and open ears, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I'm going to read a bit of scripture. Um, It says, The Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James and Salome bought spices that they may go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, there they were on the way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Don't you just love the random descriptors Bible? Um, As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So we pick up this story in Mark just after Jesus is crucified and he's been buried, hence the tomb, Um, And we're in a place for the disciples where they have just lost their mentor. They've lost the guy that um, they've spent three years following around. He's, you know, the disciples we know are young men, so they're not much younger than Joey. And they've dedicated three years of their life to, you know, seeing miracles happen and seeing these incredible things happen. Um, And now they've watched the trauma of him be arrested tortured and then crucified and all because one of their friends gave him up to the Romans like come on righto how awkward would that conversation be after he was arrested hey guys Um, but it's also important to remember that we have the benefit of hindsight so I I know how this story ends and if you've heard any Easter message ever you also know how the story ends But for the disciples, all they know is that this guy who made grand promises of being the Messiah, being the one that they waited for, they just watched him be murdered for sport. And more than that, they didn't trust the disciples enough to not touch the body, so they stuck some guards there and said, we're just going to wait it out for a while. Um, But in in verse 3 it says, um, very early in the first day of the week, wait, hold on. No, sorry, Um, that Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and Salome had brought spices down to anoint Jesus' body. They only go to anoint the body when they're dead. 
They don't anoint a live body. That would be weird, particularly with spices. Don't throw, don't throw rosemary at me. Thank you. Um, but they, go, they use the spices to cover the smell of decomposition. So <laughs> three days isn't just theologically important. It's also practically important. Um, but when the main purpose is to anoint a dead body, why would you expect a resurrection? And so I wonder how much we do that. We let our minds wander down to the things uh, that for us are dead. Dreams, relationships, visions, the things that God has spoken to us and over us. I wonder how much mental and emotional real estate we give to the things that have died with no expectation on God that he's going to do what only he can do, trying to cover up the smell of hope deferred with half-baked reasons as to why it never would have worked or why it's better this way. But the guy in the tomb says, do not be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He wasn't just resuscitated. He wasn't a ruse. He was dead. You know, I mentioned before, three days is practically important. You don't come back from three days of being dead. Three minutes, maybe. Three days, no. The resurrection isn't just living again. It's living in a new body. Not made for here, but for heaven. Jesus isn't the first one to be brought back from the dead, but he is the first one to be resurrected in a body not made for here. So when we see the place where they laid him is now empty, we see that the Father did not forsake Jesus. And if he did not forsake Jesus, he will not forsake you. When we see the place that he laid him is now empty, we see that death is conquered. Death and all the things that separate you from Jesus, sin, sickness, problems, they're all conquered. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? And then just a bit further, it has this really interesting statement. But go and tell the disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Isn't Jesus, a, isn't um, Peter a disciple? That's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> he is a disciple, yes. The women see an empty tomb and then are invited to tell all the men. They're invited to tell all the men because the disciples were meant to be with Jesus. It's an invitation because Jesus wants to meet with them. He wants to see them. And when he invites us, it's because he wants to reveal himself to you, whether it's for the first time or for another time. And the last part of this says, just as he told you, Jesus doesn't want to meet with you just to meet with you, but because he keeps his promises. So if you're, you know, coming back to Peter, if you're going to talk about all the disciples and you separately mention Peter, there has to be a reason why you only mention Peter specifically. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I love Peter. I see a lot of myself in Peter. Really proud to do right by Jesus and then just fails. Um, when I read the New Testament, um, sorry, but this is crucial to the text, actually, Peter being referred to specifically because Peter has just done the thing that he promised Jesus that he wouldn't. 
He promised Jesus that he wouldn't deny himself, that he would, he would go and be crucified as well. And then he nicked off. Um, he let down his mentor. I can only imagine what Peter is thinking and how he's feeling, but if it were me, I would come up with all the ways to make up for what I'd done, all the things I can do in my own strength to make it better. And I'd be settling for a lesser view of myself because of what I'd done. But here is the point. Jesus would bring Peter back into the fold, specifically and deliberately, because that is who Jesus is. Sometimes Jesus must single us out and intentionally speak to us in a direct way that is meant just for us so that we know it is truly for us. His position on us hasn't changed and his thoughts on us don't change. Another perfect example of this is when he appears to Thomas. Now, I don't know how much you know about Thomas, but Thomas gets a really bad rap in the Bible. Um, He's frequently referred to as Doubting Thomas. Um, I don't know about you, but I have never seen someone resurrected like that, so I'm where Thomas is. Um, So, Kieran, if you can throw up John 20. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's a really gross detail, just by the way. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet believed. Jesus does what only he can do with just a little bit of Jesus pizzazz. He comes through a wall, (laughs) casually and says, peace be with you. Oh, by the way, Thomas, come here. Take a look at the scars and the wounds. Take a look and experience this with me. I remember when this passage came alive to me. Some of you have heard this story, some of you haven't. Um, And I was in the thick of depression and self-harm and all the things that come with that. Uh, And I was struggling really hard to work out if I wanted to stay alive and fight or if I didn't. And I was sitting in the car park at C3 Oxford Falls and God said to me, read the story about Thomas. And after I read it, he said, do you know why I got my scars? I got my scars so that you don't have to. And in that moment, something broke for me. Can I actually have the band come up? Sorry. At that moment, I could see light at the end of the tunnel. God had singled me out deliberately and intentionally. He'd singled me out to tell me his position on me hadn't changed. He'd singled me out to tell me that I don't need to do that anymore and that really I never needed to do it. He came to tell me that this thing that had come to take me out has no power because he nailed it to a cross. This afternoon he came to tell you the same thing. I got my scars so that you don't have to struggle for freedom. 
or so that you wouldn't have to carry that thing that you think you have to carry or so that you wouldn't have to feel the way that you've been feeling or doing the things that you think you need to be doing. And maybe today you need reminding. Maybe today you need to be told that maybe you need to experience the scars that He took for you. It can be hard to accept that He's taken these things for you, but He tells us very plainly, stop doubting and believe. The instant that Thomas did that, he saw what Jesus could do. He saw resurrection power at work. How much more do we experience it because we haven't seen the physical Jesus? Resurrection Sunday reminds us that for all time, it is finished. It's done. And if it's done, then death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? That empty tomb means that you are never forgotten, that God wants to deliberately and specifically tell you that He got His scars so that you don't have to. And so then there is nothing stopping you coming to the altar and letting God do what He does. And so right now I'm gonna open up the altar and if you need prayer for anything, um, I encourage you, come. If ever there was a perfect day to come, today is it. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.